0: Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Sparkle and Destroy podcast. I am your hostess, Haley Crusher Kane, coming from San Luis Obispo, California, in my office turned studio, which now has a Glockenspiel in it because my husband, Dr. Reed Kane, has decided that our family, me, our dog, Peyton Manning, and Reed Kane need a Glockenspiel. Uh, It has been about two weeks, but it feels like two years at this point because all I hear all day every day is a ting, 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 ting. So um, not complaining, just letting you guys know that a year, almost a year of COVID can get a little bit more maddening with a little extra... I heard some very good advice recently about podcasts, which is don't make a podcast for yourself. Make a podcast that you know someone else would want to listen to. Now, I know there's some of you out there that do listen to this podcast, and I appreciate that. But I don't know. I feel like I'm making the podcast I need to make just to, like, survive. Um I, it sounds really dramatic, I'm not that emo, but um, yeah, I mean, COVID has been such a disrupting force in my life, in our lives. Uh, My brain feels very mushy, and having a podcast is a great way to make an excuse to talk to legendary and awesome people. Um, I'm so glad that I have Kim Warnick here today on the podcast. Um, Without awesome guests, I don't think I would drag myself, you know, out of my... uh, my pajamas and my, my cozy bed, uh, my cozy COVID lair to um, continue to do this for you guys. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Kim is a blast. Uh, She's super authentic, uh, known for the band, the Fastbacks from Seattle, of course, a huge influential band in the Seattle scene that reverberated around the world. And as we talk about on the show, you know, that band just blew up to massive proportions. Never really reached the mainstream success that bands like Nirvana might have, but, you know, toured the world, um, played with incredible acts like Joan Jett, Ramones. You know, she toured Japan, like, you know, just basically did all the things that as a band you kind of want to do. Um, but um, I think she's kept her head on straight and I really enjoy her what's the word when they say it? Moxie? Yeah, her moxie and her straight-ahead kind of truth-telling about the music industry, um, also kind of avoiding the music industry in a way, too, and how it's not all about um, where you end up. It's about continuing to do what you love. Um, So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kim. And if you are like me struggling with the COVID brain and uh, getting out of your COVID hole, um, I hope you'll take this opportunity to just dive into our conversation for a little bit in our world and then absolutely go and crank up some fastbacks. All right, this is Kim Warnick. Let's do this.
1: I don't know i just pushed a button <laughs> uh, zoom is i've done a few of these and you know it's it is where we're at but um anyway
0: so well hi nice to meet hi, you Kim. it's wonderful to meet you and let me just make you feel better i do a lot of skype i don't do a lot of zoom what's really the just- isn't it kind of the same thing or are you just more used to the the platform of of Skype, I guess. When I started doing the podcast, um, I just decided to do Skype because you could record the audio. And this is before COVID, right? Yeah. So I thought, oh great, I can record this audio with these cool people. And it—you know that's what a lot of podcasters were doing. And then Zoom happened and everyone started doing it. And I was like, oh shit, I need to get on this. So I'm with you on the fact that I'm always muted. People are like, Haley, unmute yourself. Well, it's funny because I, I feel like it, it's it kind of
1: like the thing where um, MySpace and then everybody made fun of Facebook and all of a sudden migration. Everybody's on Facebook and everybody's like, done with Facebook. Now they're on Instagram.
0: You know, it's just funny. It's so yeah. true. It's so oh, great yeah. to talk to you. Um, how are you doing? I mean, are you watching the news? That's <laughs> all I do. Yeah. I'm watching the news and
1: I don't even know... I, you know, there are no words. It's just heartbreaking. I'm ready for some sanity and and I'm scared for the next 13 days. Is it 14? 13. like that. I mean, what are days anymore at this point? But, but I mean, 13 days with what's going on could be it's scary. Yeah. It was scary to watch and just made me really sad and embarrassed, you know, to live in this country and that's sad too.
0: It's really fucking sad. Yeah, I was I was just, you know, doing my due diligence on you. I'll talk a little bit about- Oh, I did some on you
1: by the way, too, so.
0: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny cause I was- am also beach.
1: I know all about you.
0: Girl, uh- I got you dialed. Just joking. I'm like in a Kim Warnock hole, like just loving oh, getting- that, sounds- that sounds like a nightmare. I've been trying to get out of that for years. I'm so deep in the, it's so dark inside, but so it's, that's true but I mean, we can always lighten up but we wanna we don't want to do that. And I kept thinking I'm like, I'm gonna talk to you and there's real and like anything we talk about, it's like there's nothing compared to what Trump is doing. So it's I want this to be a space where we just don't even talk about politics. like what okay. is that? Yes and yes and yes. So let's we, we got it out of the way. we're done. Let's move on to real okay. things
1: like punk rock.
0: All right. First of all, this is my little story um, about getting to know who you are and about your band. And it's not a very long story, but my drummer, who is a super... I love that already. I love this story already. <laughs> it's not very impressive. It's not very good, but you're going to hear it.
1: <laughs> I understand
0: all of this, so don't worry about it. It's going to be great. So I believe in you. I've and let me just tell you, I've had so I think I'm a big shot because I've had I worked with like five drummers last year, so I'm like, oh, I've had so many drummers. Of course, you've had like fucking Spinal Tap level of drummers. We've had a few, yeah. For and sure. so my one of my favorite drummer, who I love dearly, but he is very ill, so he cannot play with us. Unfortunately, he has medical issues, but he is a huge, huge Fastbacks fan. Huge, yeah. huge, huge and um when we first started the band and we were we were practicing in his dad's garage he was like we gotta play this um song um they don't really care about you that's the title right They don't really care yeah 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 and um i was like oh yeah like this is rad let's totally play this and so we were we were trying to do a cover of it and i can't really do that guitar even that simple guitar like i wasn't i wasn't doing it um but um I realized that's why I, play
1: ba- that's why I play
0: bass in the band. Thank I was you. like, nope, this isn't working out, but that's how I kind of got introduced. Cause he's like a record store guy, super cool. And you know, we're obviously different generations, but the, the thing that really is crazy about you, in my opinion, is that you are like pop punk or punk pop, whatever, before that was a thing. And it's fucking amazing. Cause you look at press and you look at like, like even just people like writing about you in the nineties like they didn't know what to do with you guys. You guys were the weirdest fucking band. No one knew what to save. And it's like, it, it makes your head kind of explode because you're just like, oh my God, this is pre everything. And yet, yeah, you guys don't really get that much love. And it's like, you guys are fucking amazing bands. So anyways, that was my stupid story about how I fell in love with you guys. It was instant love at first sight. Love at first listen. I've got a lot to say about that because
1: yeah. you've
0: you know, you just kind of hit a lot of nails
1: on the head in that Where do I, let's try to rewind to this. Um, I think everybody thinks their band is really weird. I I don't know. I mean, I've been in three bands, um, but really the fastback. So it's weird and and it makes it even weirder or cooler. I think if you've been a band for 40 years, because we met in high school, right? So that makes that you know, leads to the weirdest, the weirdness and, you know, when people know each other for that long and a lot of stuff goes on through everybody's lives. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think that, uh, I don't think Seattle never knew what to do with us. And, um, a lot of that, you know, was just the kind of music that was going on. This is well before sub pop. This is, you know, 80 or 81. So it was a lot of there was a lot of great music, but it wasn't what we were doing. There was it was a lot of hardcore, which was fine. Some of our friends' bands, you know it. And then there was really kind of artier music. And there's amazing bands, the Telepaths, the Blackouts. It's a lot of stuff in Seattle that a lot of people don't know because they just gloss over it and go to the, the fancy parts, the grunge style. But so we didn't really fit in with all that. I guess we would get put on bills with hardcore bands because we were fast but we weren't and and we were fast but uh we really hadn't really learned how to be really really good I don't know if we were ever really really good but we just were learning our instruments you know I mean Kurt came out of the room playing guitar but (laughs) he was really good all the time but he um there was a point of time where he just shifted into the best in the world to me
0: so, and and i knew so i was a fan of the fastbacks and like but then so I, we, my my band Haley and the crushes we would tour seattle here and there we did a lot of seattle portland things and when I would, was it? what year like oh not recently like 2017 18 19 oh, yeah. pretty much oh yeah pretty much 17 18 19 um because kurt, we got, ever see you? Cause kurt awesome. goes to every show kurt goes to every show so we were supposed to play this like head was going to do a show like Brian, okay okay so Brian Foss was going to put on this show for his birthday this okay. was last winter and it was supposed to be head was supposed to like do a reunion or some crazy thing like that and he's really cool and supportive and stuff and so we were supposed to go and and um, uh kurt's Mr. Mr. Sir oh, no 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 uh <laughs> I'm sorry I'm block sergeant yep. major but
1: sergeant major Oh, okay, but wait did you I, just say did you just say Mr. Surf because that's my new band and maybe you could join
0: because that's pretty ridiculous. It's like and from Peanuts. Like, doesn't that I doesn't don't know what it would be? I, I feel like Mike Judge needs to get involved. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> okay. okay, you could have it. But um, it was, it, was a, it turned out to be a but anyways, it turned out to be a Muffs tribute band that actually played, which was really cool. Oh, wait. But, he told uh, me about this. Yes, so I was going to ask you if you knew about obviously you know Mike. Um, or Brian, I'm sorry, Brian, um, so what was oh, my, yes. well, my, my point was that like, there was all this whispering of like, oh yeah, Kurt was going to be there or like something about Kurt. And I'm like, I, I didn't know all the history behind like what an ama- I mean, I know he's an amazing guitar player, but he's like this legend in Seattle or whatever. But,
1: yes.
0: um, I'm sure we've like met here and there at like a show you know what's interesting is I feel like in like some interviews I've seen with you it's like you're very like well I'm a singer and like I didn't write a lot of the songs but like you're an amazing singer and you really are you have an incredible voice and I feel like and the way that you present your voice and the way you do what you do is really unique and it's so funny how no matter what your talent is you always want to like discount it and be like oh well you know, I'm a great guitar player, but I don't sing, or I I sing, but I don't play. I'm not a virtuoso on the bass, whatever. But it's like, you are an incredible vocal. Well, first of all, thank you.
1: Thank you for that. Um, that's really good. I, it took me a long, long time to be able to even listen to my voice. It, it was always, well, I mean, you know, we're our own worst enemy yeah, or, or critic, I should say not enemy, but, um, You know, it's like the kind of thing when the first time you hear yourself on tape recorder, it's like, who is that? That's insane. Well, I didn't really like the sound of my voice. The whole whole point of this is that it kind of took me to the last three or four or five years to actually like how it is. And the weird thing is it's getting higher, which is weird. Seems like in the case of Joan Jett, she starts out with a teenage voice because that's how old she was. And then, you know, now she's, she, you know, know how she sounds. She sounds really awesome, and, and but her voice is lower. Mine has gotten higher.
0: It's, it's great. And I, I played your um, your Blondie cover on the last- pe- that's, a good,
1: that's a good case in point. That's where uh, I would say that's part of that. Interesting.
0: The way that you don't sound like you're trying is the thing that really pisses me off about you. I was
1: trying, do you know how hard I tried on that? Oh my god, I tried and tried and tried and like I drove them crazy. Like, go back, go back, go back, because that song is in my DNA. That song and 11:59 by Blondie. That's kind of one I always want to. I want to try, but oh man, that, that's there's a lot there. Sunday Girl is so perfect and I and I just knew that I I wanted to do that. That song is that song in Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlyle are two of my favorite songs in the world. And oh. then Vacation is the trilogy. Let's just, oh. get, let's just get
0: to it. Go go's okay. worship. We could go all night long with that. Oh yeah. Um, Very good. But who record who uh, played on the um, Blondie cover on the Sunday Sunday Girl?
1: Uh some friends of mine, this this guy Thane Mitchell, drummer. Um, and my friend Michael Rayleigh um, and uh, my friend Steve Feasley uh, produced it. And so it was, just, it was just done in his basement or his his rec room, which is beautiful because it looks out over uh, Puget Sound. Anyway, it just, but it was just kind of one of these things. I didn't play anything on that. Those Those people did it, and I came in and sang it, and it was one of those things. So it was really fun. I love doing that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, you got it. That was what inspired me. I went, oh, my gosh, she's like, no offense, but I was like, she's doing stuff. Like, I mean, I didn't know what you were up to. It
1: was interesting for me because, you know, I moved away. I moved to Portland, Maine in 2012 for seven years, and I wasn't doing anything. I mean, I was learning how to live a new life, but um, so I wasn't playing music. And so what about that. What do you mean live a new life? That's interesting. I went out there to get sober. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> new life.
0: How'd that go for you?
1: <laughs> Good. And I lived through it. And so here I am in back in Seattle. But, um, anyway, I would come home every Christmas for family. And one of the, I would come home for a week and I said, Hey, can we try to do this song? Cause he has a studio, like I said. And he's like, yeah. So anyway, that's, I did it just, you know, I just blew in and blew back out
0: to, to Maine. But, uh, that's how that happens. Okay. But you're going to, you're, you're in Seattle now. I live here now. Yes. Seattle has like en- en- enveloped you and been like, no, you are Seattle. You're not going anywhere. Well, you know, I'm one of the random
1: weird people, um, that are getting less and less all the time. I'm a native. Right. I'm all the fast. I mean, me, Kurt and Lulu are all natives. Yeah. So it's kind of a rare bird these days. A lot of people come in from other places. So yeah, I, I, I've never had lived anywhere else been a lot of places but it was interesting being out there um profound
0: i'm happy to be home so anyway in the history of seattle music as a native daughter and like obviously someone who has just like you said it was all probably cover bands and, and also hardcore bands in the 80s and stuff but like how far back does the whole like depressing weather mixed with happy melody go in seattle like if it's such a through line i feel like there's so many bands that are like melancholy but happy and that's that's when i hear the fastbacks i hear that i hear that like the dark weather and the moodiness and the grittiness but also like it's so melodic it's so joyful
1: well you know what it's it, that's a really great question and I, um i don't know how to answer that. I mean, I should, I will answer it because I am somebody here that's been here forever all my life. Um, so that kind of weather that I think if you're a native, it's just in you. And some people later on, like (laughs) realize, like, I hate it. I, I do better when there's light. I need sun. I don't know. But for, I mean, for me, um, I never minded it and I don't know how much that had to do with our sound because I don't really feel like we had much in common with so-called grunge. Um, but that's a term and it's one of those weird terms that gets bandied about in good and bad ways, mostly bad. But now it's kind of, now it's mostly kind of funny. And I don't know, we, we were just... Uh, I don't know if that kind of this kind of climate really you know you'd have to ask Kurt that because he wrote those songs. so I can't say i, I just know that um I was real happy to get home and just see the rain rain for days. I'm okay with it.
0: Does it no feel, more snow It feels like a release, doesn't it? What's that? Like like the rain, like it's a release. It's Well I'm
1: just saying I'm just saying like being in the on the east coast with the really hard winters. It's next nice yeah. to, oh, right. to
0: this. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. Winter, what's that? You I I don't know what that is. I'm a California girl, so I'm I'm completely inept. But um I really want to go back to high school because in high school, so you were in, in was it the mid seventies for you? Uh well that's That sounds so crazy, doesn't it?
1: Um, Yeah, it was. I mean, so it's 74 to 77.
0: And so I'm so, I love this so much. I love talking to you about this because like for me. Can I ask you something that's rude? Yes. Oh, go ahead. How old are you? Oh, no, it's totally not rude. I'm
1: 33. Okay, cool. I'm 61 in three quarters in
0: April, 62. Come on. So high school, getting back to high school. I guess. For, for like people like me and not to be like, that sounds so annoying. Like, eh, like I'm a millennial. I'm an old millennial, I'm a vintage millennial. But like- You,
1: know, you're, you have a lot of soul for a millennial. You're an old soul millennial, as I talk about. I hate that term, but anyway, go on.
0: But um, like, I would look at people like um Debbie Harry and stuff and Joan Jett. I mean, I saw Joan Jett at like the Mid-State Fair in like the early 2000s when I was like younger. And like, I saw those people and I saw their power and I was, a instantly entranced with their power. I mean, I remember seeing heart, you know, as a mm-hmm. kid, but like in the mid 2000s. So of course this is far past the, like the prime of these people, not, maybe not prime, but. Well, I don't exactly. think so. I know how, what you mean. I but wonder if you like. That's couple of records that they put out. How fucking like, cool is it though, that you were in high school, like when, when you heard the Ramones and like you heard Joan Jett and then you ended up opening for like the Ramones and Joan Jett and that kind of shit. like. I want you to take me back there, and like, when were you like looking at the New York scene, and like, ooh, like you never really wanted to like uh, jump ship. And if I were you at that time, I might have been like, I'm going. I'm just this seems no, cool. no, 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 no. But you have to understand. I mean, the way
1: my childhood or how I was my upbringing, it, I, I could not imagine telling my parents I'm moving to New York. I never, I didn't go to New York. The first time the fastbacks went to New York, and I think me, Kurt, and Lulu, um, was 1991. So, you know, I, it would be like, I'm not, that's New York is where people get knifed and you will be a heroin addict. That's all I knew because I've watched movies and like, you can't, you go there, you're going to die. Or, or you might, run into Dee Dee Ramone on the street. And that to me was like, Ugh, which one should I do? I would never have thought of doing that. But, uh, we, I sure did read all those, like all the magazines. And, and so like rock scene, um, all of that stuff. I was reading that when I was still in high school actually, and actually circus and all that stuff. I was reading that in junior high school. So I, I was hyper aware of all this stuff. I didn't like school at all, but I sure loved reading all those rock magazines. And, and once I started to be able to go to these concerts and I'm talking about like three dog night, like in
0: 1971
1: Holy before. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm 61. So seen some good shit, but um, so I'd be going to these things and you know, bands in their prime, Elton John and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden the Ramones were, you know, on the cover of things and, and, uh, and all of a sudden they were coming to Seattle and I, I God, if I, I'm probably going to get the date, the year wrong, maybe 1976. Uh, wow. But anyway, they played in a really fancy, super still fancy old hotel here in Seattle called the Olympic hotel, which is now, um, what is it now? It's part of some chain, but anyway, uh, they played there and they would never book, they'll never book another rock band there again. And to see that was, it was the loudest show I've ever seen other than, other than, uh, Rachel sweet and Graham Parker and the groomer random and the clash.
0: Okay.
1: Wow. I've ever seen random. But the Ramones one was, there was nothing like that in I've ever seen. And I'd had seen a bunch of rock shows, you know, Coliseum shows, but that was just, that just, it, 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 it changed all of us.
0: Did you feel part of that immediately or? No,
1: no, no. I think, I feel like, (laughs) I mean, I think we were kind of outsiders. We were kind of, we weren't in the hip scene per se, but we liked all that same music and we knew these people, but uh, no, I, I, I always felt kind of apart from that. Although, you know, we knew these people and some of these people were in bands and we'd buy their singles and hang out at the same record shops, you know, and talk rock and roll, whatever. Um, but that show was, that was a changing point. And I feel like a lot of people, and they see that fan if they saw them at the height of their powers, their lives are different. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure they have different bumper stickers on their Subarus. <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. I think you're, you're totally on to something because yeah, when you when you're there at the moment of the pinnacle of that well thing, this is
1: even, no this is even before the pinnacle. This is
0: Or before. But you can still feel the
1: energy. I mean Well you can see the thing that I saw was because we'd be reading about, you know, these bands we love—the dictators, the, yeah. Johnny Thunders, and the, uh, the Heartbreakers—and and and all this really cool television, all this cool shit coming out of New York. And but it was, it was so, you know, for me, and I guess I'm speaking for us, that was that was uh, you might as well go to Europe to find that stuff. New York was so far away for us at that time, but to see them come here. And to witness it, it was—I um, guess it's how you hear about people talk about first time they saw so and so and what that did for them. I think the Ramones changed everything about me. I want to—I wanted to be D.D. Ramone. I want to look like him. I'm a tomboy. I—I ha- want to have the same bass. I want to play like that. I don't want to fuck songs up with a whole bunch of. I just want to play like him use my hero
0: that's amazing yeah you're not as crazy as him though so you're
1: definitely... you know what it's could be debatable with a few people I'm gonna say no from what I know and I know quite a bit um, thankfully I got to know Arturo Vega I, oh, wow. I met him and hung out at at his loft I was at the loft and I saw or D stabbed him. Well, how about this, I saw where Didi stabbed the wall a few times. Oh He's like, you I mean, like Didi? He stabbed that wall. Like, can I just look at it for a while? And uh, anyway, I got and I got to see some Joey lyrics that, as far as I know, nothing's come of. But I don't know. It was it was a surreal thing. Oh my god! If you're, like, if you're an Elvis fan, being let alone in his house with no security. Absolutely. Yeah. It was. A, it was it was one of those moments like the, the band that band changed everything about me. Here I am with really the leader. Let's just say Arturo. Oh, yeah, I mean, Arturo don't... I mean, Johnny Takes sec, He's he's come, he's lieutenant, but Arturo is the man. Yeah, that's right. He designed it. That's incredible.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow, what and, a time. That was, that was like that when was it? It was like 2013
0: okay all right so you know new york. but anyway well of course there's new york so i'm sorry what was your original question We're getting... i'm just like so happy to hear about this i mean my, my mom was in new york in the late 70s she remembers seeing this is her famous thing is that she remembers seeing joey ramon in line for the movies all the time that was one <laughs> and two she said she served drinks to um the talking heads and I I don't know I, something like that. What did your mom do? Where where did she? She, she was, was at NYU. NYU. She was um, she wasn't that cool. Like I always talked to her about it. I'm like you. So you were at NYU. You were like an artist, and you would see like Patty Smith hanging out, and yet you weren't like part of it. And she's like she always says like, oh, I was like listening to like the I was really into the beat poetry and like. Like going to blues clubs, and I'm like blues clubs. Was that a thing? Like there were blues clubs in late the late seventies in New York. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, my mom's a cool person, but she definitely wasn't into punk. She made you. You're pretty cool. I guess it skips a generation with the punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good answer. She's um, not that thrilled. She's not that thrilled about. I mean, she's she loves our She loves our music, but you know, she I don't know if she understands it. But.
1: Well, I'll tell you something. My mom said something so. F- funny that a couple of my I have a couple of friends that remember this story um you know she was my parents were very mad men that's what it looked like that's how I grew up and you know my dad had the reel-to-reel thing and the big band stuff but he did buy a Korean's Clearwater record and like it was and he bought us a jukebox when I was 10 wow so that was killer so I became fascinated and you know just I wanted to know more like how come these people are writing these songs who is this person on this record and so but uh my mom where were we going with this I think, moms. I think it was moms and music and
0: understanding things well my
1: mom so anyway she would she told me she went to a uh, she kept in touch with her her first grade class like a reunion you know Seattle people seem to stay sometimes. So she went there, and I guess they have to stand up and say, like, what's up with you, Marge Warnick? You know, she said, Well, my daughter is in a band, or she said something, but she said, you know, and she can't carry a tune in a bucket. <laughs> it's like, Mom, I gotta tell you, Mom. And my she still just didn't understand. But she did come to see us. My mom and dad actually saw. Uh, my first band play called the radios no recordings fun super fun band at this um super historic infamous place in seattle called the monastery okay and they didn't they had some shows there but it was a a gay disco which back then was like oh my god anyway they got shut down we played there they had like new wave night or you know back in the in like late seventies. They do that. So we played this thing, not the fastbacks, my other band and my mom and dad came and my, uh, ex-boyfriend at the time, he was jumping, he was pogoing. Oh my God. I know which it's all funny, but my parents at the monastery is something out of an is like a Hunter S Thompson acid dream. It's like fear and loathing in, in Seattle. And so all I know is we're playing. I'm so nervous. It might have been one of our first shows and my parents are there. And all of a sudden, Scott Dittman, ex-boyfriend, just knocks my mom over. She falls over. And uh, I saw it all and it was horrifying. And I get home. I'm still living with them. I get home and on my pillow, there was a note that said, Kim... It was so wonderful to see your beautiful teeth tonight. I'm so glad we got you braces. But that but that Scott Dittman is an ass. <laughs> Mark Warnick is, is punk rock number one. I'm sorry. I got it from her. That is so
0: funny. My
1: God. But when I saw her fall over. It was like. It was
0: it was slow motion and like oh my god I just killed my mom yeah death by pogo basically yeah that's like I mean anytime you there's someone in the audience that it's high stakes when it's somebody like that in the audience it's high yeah, it's high stakes for my parents
1: to see this band at a place that was like criminally scary
0: I have to say the fact that they even attended the show really I'm applauding like ten star. Yeah. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, they didn't come to anything else. There you go. Yeah. I've had an, I've had a similar experience to that where, you know, they get the first taste and they're like, yeah, it's enough. It's enough for me. Although I will tell you this. Um, my dad, my mom passed in
1: 93, he remarried. And so uh, to a family friend, which was great because it's like transition of to my, my, I mean, she grew up with me. So anyway, that's great. So we're playing with Pearl Jam. We went on tour with Pearl Jam in 96. And so we're doing the, the farewell gig before we go to Europe or uh, the East Coast and then go to Europe in Seattle. And I invite my dad and Marie. And oddly, uh, they get into they get in there before anybody. I don't know how they, they almost snuck in. <laughs> I'm like, why are you here? And. Okay, because you got in early. But anyway, my, I got to take my dad up on the stage. And he's kind of a stereo guy. He's, he loves, like, music and all that. So I got to explain to him. He's like, Punkin, what are these boxes on right here? I said, that's the monitors, Dad. That's where they're going to – I can hear myself. He was so proud of me. And the cutest story is that he met Eddie Vedder. And before I could introduce, really – my dad's like, oh, are you the janitor?
0: Oh, that is just amazing. It's the, ah, it's that's the best such a dad fun. story ever. I'm going to people. <laughs> but Ed, Ed's like, no. And then I'm like, uh,
1: dad, this is, you know, this is Eddie Vedder. He's in Pearl Jam. He's taking us or they're taking us on tour. And my dad gets more beautiful when he says, Wilson, I hope you have an extra suitcase to take all your home your souvenirs. Oh, come on,
0: Dad, no, they're the
1: best people ever.
0: So this is interesting though because Eddie Vedder was best friends with like Johnny Ramone in the '90s, right? So yeah. you could have had your D.D. Dee Dee. Oh, I, I have a story about that one. Oh, great! Just I keep going. I want to hear more about this. Well, so
1: we did. Um, let me think. So 96. So we did three makeup dates with Pearl Jam in 95, two in Denver or no, no, two in uh, Salt Lake City and one in San Jose. And I think they were trying us out or seeing if we could go on tour with them. You know, I mean, you never know. We we're friends with them. I've, we've known them forever. We came up at the same time. I mean, not Eddie, because he moved here after. But anyway, Um so we do these shows we do those and we get the green light like we're gonna do the tour and we're gonna do the east coast basically and then we're gonna go to europe so we so one night we're in um cleveland or i think it's cleveland and um and eddie tells me he said i don't want you to be freaked out or anything or you know, he's giving me a heads up, which is nice of him. He's like, but Johnny is coming in tonight. I said, Johnny, who? And I mean, I should have known. I said, and he's like, Ramon, I said, and I got nervous. He said, and I, I said, well, okay, he's like, I was almost going to say, why don't, why are you giving me this heads up? Because I was drinking back then. I was kind of scary. And so he's like, well, I just want you to know, he doesn't like to talk about guitar. And guitar solos. Don't talk to him about that. And he said he just likes baseball. Like Basically, Eddie's saying, please leave him alone. Because Eddie's nice. And uh, okay. It's great. So um, after the show, uh, I'm wandering around. And all of a sudden, I I open a back door. And there's Johnny Ramone, Eddie Vedder, and Weird Al standing
0: together. And I just got scared.
1: I shut the door. I said, I don't know.
0: I that, do that sounds like a joke. Like Eddie Vedder, Weird Al, and Johnny Ramone walk into a bar.
1: It is. It's like, it's totally that. But the joke would have been me trying to say anything. Because
0: what would I have said? Like, uh, You're right. No, I'm proud of you. I'm kind of glad you just, you kept it at that. Because then you can just keep everything preserved, right? I can tell
1: the story. But at least I don't tell the story, or he, Eddie doesn't tell the story like, and this one
0: time she came in and we had to call the police or who yeah, knows. All the cocaine and then she wanted to do Weird Al's cocaine and then... Oh, there's some, there's, yeah, there's... I anyway. don't know. Um, That's hilarious. i never done Weird Al's cocaine. I bet Weird Al's cocaine is... Um, It'll yeah. make your hair curly. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. That's amazing. I mean, of all, the, of all the Ramones you want to meet, though, I mean, Johnny... I'm sure that would be a whole ball. I wouldn't want to meet. I wouldn't want to. You know, It's weird.
1: I understand what you're saying, but I love, I I love his, like on all the documentaries. I mean, you gotta have somebody steering the boat, I suppose. Oh yeah. I mean, so it's like, I guess that's the love hate thing, but I mean, I can think about his Republican leanings, but at the same time you put on leave home. Oh yeah.
0: I don't care. It's like, uh, everything's fine, you know? Right, I mean, I wrote a song about it. I wrote a song called, I Don't Wanna Be Like Johnny Ramone. And it actually talks about my <laughs> own, it talks about my own tendencies to be like the dick that's like, that's my seat on the, in the van. And I, you know. Oh yeah, that story, I, those stories are crazy. I think we can all be that way. We need a certain level of Johnny Ramone. Like we, in our hearts, there's a, there's a little bit of Jesus, a little bit oh, of Johnny here,
1: Ramone. Here, here the, here's the thing. Right. A certain level of Johnny Ramone. You might need write. You might need to write that tonight. That's the
0: song. <laughs> okay. A certain level of Johnny Ramone. It'll be a collab. Certain, certain, certain makes it so you're not really like a Republican, anyway. Right. It's just a little bit, and that's actually a good segue because I have written down. I, believe me, I have notes. It doesn't seem like I do at all, but well, I do. You're talking to me, and I'll, I'll derail you all day long. We're like we're like two trains that are derailing each other the whole thing. So it's going to be a long one. So add some, some toast.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Some. So I have to ask you now, I'm, see, now I forget what I was going to talk about. Kim, that's, what's going to happen all night long. Kim, trust me. me. Um, no, no, no. This is what it was about. Okay. So you guys, you. as a band, you y'all had been together for so for many, many years. And the output of the recordings, I mean, there, there were so many, there had to be, what was the glue keeping everything together and like how the hell did you guys not like implode with just like the pressure not pressure but like the desire to become big and literally all these opportunities are coming by really good ones I mean you went to Japan and you went to Europe and you you know did the whole um Eddie Vedder explosion and all that stuff experience but it's like how did you guys keep it together for so long and still put out good stuff and like not have a crazy meltdown or anything like that? It's amazing. So, so that is the
1: best question. And that is a question for Kurt Block. Um, and I say that because there's so many parts to that. Um, when, you're, when you've been in a band this long or with a person this long, it's kind of the same thing you know 40 years you get used to each other's weirdness and sometimes the weirdness derails things that would be me i made it hard for my band i was i was i was the loose end a lot most of the time but how do you get through it was that the question yeah like how did you guys it's just amazing that you you know what it is it's like you're you you're kind of i feel like you just are you you start to understand each other maybe and um i don't really know that you know that's the unanswered question that's why there's so many
0: rock biographies out there you know that right right but like you guys never like you guys stuck together like if you guys had gotten really well well, at times there's times
1: it was not we were not together and Lulu was not in the band and, and I was a heroin addict and it was a fucking disaster and it was very, very dark. I mean, for me and, and, you know, things fell apart um, in the late eighties. Wait, yeah, late (laughs) eighties.
0: So things got really bleak. Um, that's a good point. I mean, there's no VH1 behind the music on your band, so like you know, I went to rehab in '89 for heroin. Came out, uh, ended
1: up marrying Ken Stringfellow from the Posies in '93. We busted up in '96. Went on tour with Pearl Jam. Also before that, you know, started putting out records in Sub Pop, which changed a lot for us. Didn't make us a household name, but it didn't matter because really, what happened is that. You know at that time you know ninety, ninety-one, or even earlier maybe a lot of people that went into record stores actually looked at that logo and thought "Eh, i like all these bands on this label i'm buying it we might not have fit the mold maybe not but i i feel like i i felt like i noticed a little more people showing up to our shows
0: yeah how do you look at the idea like do you kind of look at the idea of like you could have been like the muffs even the muffs weren't famous really though i mean they didn't they deserved a lot more than they got i agree totally how, how do you think about fame like how do you think about not even fame i guess like notoriety among like the music industry because i actually was going to bring up kurt was just on a alternative press 15 best guitar players that came out a couple weeks ago oh, yeah, I saw that. what i love It's a really old picture of him, and he's placed between Danita, Kim,
1: and who's the other one? It's Uh, another woman. Is it another woman? But it was definitely Kim is on there. Kim and she deserves it on there. Kim and Demita Sparks and I don't know. I forget.
0: Yeah. So, like, do you? How do you think about? Like, does it kind of make you crazy, or do you think like this is all how it's supposed to be? Or like, what do you mean that that about? Are you talking about like? Women in music. I'm well, sorry. You guys like you. If things had sh- been a little bit different, you guys might have been like f- huge. No. Um. You really don't think so? I don't. And I. You're and good.
1: I'm not, and I'm not trying to be humble. I'm just telling you what I think. I personally think all three of us would tell you. Okay. Um, is that you know we were just, we weren't going to fit anywhere really. And, and we didn't. And um, we, you know, in the nineties, we did the most we've ever done. As far as we, we put out records, we toured a lot too. We toured more than we've ever toured, but uh, it just wasn't gonna, we're just like, like I said, I think a lot of, so many bands think they're really weird I know we were a very weird band and not a lot of people got us. Like we'd be put on like a garage rock show and play too many solos because we love Queen, early Queen, or it just kind of never, it never, the shit never righted itself, which in the end is the best part of all.
0: Beautiful. And and as you were saying that, I was thinking, this makes so much sense that my record store nerd drummer loves you guys. Because I think you are the ultimate record store nerds band. And you know what? I can tell you this. God, that makes me
1: so happy. So when all this punk rock shit was blowing up and we started hanging out, me, Kurt, Lulu, and people were starting bands, we'd go into this uh, record store called Cellophane Square in the, in the uni- university district, down by the college, UW. UW. Anyway, we'd go in there and um, ended up knowing all the people that worked there, and they would be recommending records to us. And that's where everything kind of started. Like, man, that's the first time we heard the first Motorhead single, which was wow. mind-blowing. Yeah. Did it you
0: ever play with Motorhead? I know. No. No. Motorhead though, right?
1: Yes. And uh, Girl School was is Girl School is pretty much one of my almost one of my favorite
0: bands. I'm okay. like in
1: Girl School. But that band. And we saw Girl School a lot.
0: <sighs> motorhead. I've seen them like four four times or so. And yeah, Lemmy is God. Yeah, without, without a without a doubt. Best guy. Oh my God. It would have been so cool to play with him though. But um for you guys, I mean, I mean that wouldn't have happened for us, but they were an interesting band because they were in the rock scene, but they were also in the punk scene. And they were respected it's funny
1: by- you say this. So Kurt Block, I just had a fastback memory come up the other day. Um, so Lemmy's passing must have been recently. Okay. Hence this memory. And Kurt, Kurt comes up in this memory talking about, God, I'd love to find this. It was a great little thing. He's like until, basically he's saying until Motorhead you they were the ones that binded punk rock and metal and they made it okay for a guy with an Iron Maiden shirt and a guy with a Ramon shirt to hang out. Totally true. So true and so cool. Yeah but it's it's it actually is it's
0: it's fact for sure. I, absolutely that's so yeah. true. So like what is your life like now? Like as a sober sober person and somebody who obviously is dabbling in music here and there, like, what do you, like, what's your, like, what are you up to? (laughs) I'm going to tell you absolutely nothing.
1: I I wish I, no, I wish I had a better answer, but, uh, you know, COVID, I don't really see many people, um, staying safe. So, I don't know. I look at my guitar a lot and like, maybe I should just play it, but I don't know. I'm not inspired. It's a weird time. And so I read a lot. I watch a lot of movies and
0: that's, you know, but how, how rad is being sober. I mean, my dad's been, my dad just got sober like two years ago and he's still like this. It's annoying. Cause he's like, everything's just so new and fresh. And I don't remember anything in the last five years. <laughs> I'm just cool. like, I'm kind of jealous of him because he has a sober, the sober eyes. And I mean, you've been sober a lot longer than he has, but it's like, I feel like he knows something that we all don't and it makes his life like kind of more magical than ours. You know, how long has he been sober? Two years. Asking, What? Two years.
1: Well, you know, that's, that's, that's a really big, big point. Two years, a long time. So it's good. I mean, I'm happy that I don't have to, that life before was really difficult. So I don't really know how to explain it other than that. It's easier these days. Good. Good. I can't imagine going through that with what's going on right now. Yeah.
0: Elle, I hope that you think about the all the girls you've probably inspired throughout the years. You know, I you should, because I think when I definitely, when I first found out about, about you guys, I was instantly like, Oh my God, like I see myself in, in uh, the women that came before. And you think about what they've been through and, and the tours and the backstage and all the bullshit and having, you know, two women in your band, you know,
1: that's that's such an interesting way to look at it. And I guess I would put it through my own lens or view, uh, you know, I was probably the same age as Penelope Houston from the Avengers. And uh, I saw them in Seattle at the bird, this club that, you know, was the first punk club in Seattle and I have, and they had a single out and they're from San Francisco and, and they played a two night stand. I had never seen anything like that in rock and roll in my fucking life. It, it destroyed the stage. And so, um you know it's weird that 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 uh I guess that anybody would think of me like that but then again I I have history I I listen to everything and so maybe that's not that weird it was interesting that uh Carrie Brownstein
0: put I was listed in her book really um yeah that's a that's a great book the the memoir she did. No, no, it's a tr- it's a great
1: book. But uh, yeah, my name popped up on the third page. Anyway, that's super cool. But you never know who you inspire. You know, that's what I'm saying. So that's cool yeah. that you brought that up. And you know, I hope I inspire people. I hope Lulu inspires people because Lulu, I mean, Lulu's also like she's a director. She has
0: photography, so everybody. That's super cool. And I, I wasn't that familiar with this queen. Is that how you say it? Is it Visqueen? Yeah, it I is. wasn't that familiar at all. And I was listening to um, them a lot, you guys. And I was like, holy shit, this is also really fucking good. <laughs> like the what is, Rachel that like? is amazing. And so I'm like, I just so thought such a, it's such an embarrassment of riches when you find a band that you're like, I didn't know about this band. And now this is one good thing about the internet. You can literally just binge on it and be like, I'm gonna immerse myself and just get so, it's like how you go to the record store and go and buy all the records, I guess, but we can just do it so much faster and just mainline it. And basically you can become a scientist overnight. Yeah, it is annoying. I mean, I can see why my generation is very insufferable in some ways. Cause it's like, oh, so you researched this on Wikipedia for like three hours and now you're an expert. Like that is annoying. But at the same time, you know, there's there's a there's a, a curiosity and a genuine like willingness and wanting to learn and wanting the knowledge that is just really earnest, you know. Well, do you ever think like people
1: back in the day when their parents got their kids encyclopedias, do you think these kids delved into it? I don't know. Probably not. It was like, I'm not reading that shit. Why do you get this? But now it's like that's the coolest thing to learn about stuff and figuring. Figure it out. Yeah. Sure. I have a funny story with uh, the Mr. T experience. Oh, really? Oh, cool. So, Dr. Frank told me, I think they were on, I don't know if they were on tour of the Green Day. They may have been because it must have been a, it could be wrong, Frank, if you're hearing this, but um, he told, he put on, so I was in Europe and he put on his writer as a joke that he wanted the whole encyclopedia, whatever, all of them. What would that be called? The encyclopedia Britannica? Yeah, I guess so. Yes. And, uh, and so he just did it as a joke, but he got it. I think if, if it was in Germany again, Dr. Frank, if you're hearing this, um, I'm just telling a story you told me. So he got the whole thing on tour. How is he going to get that shit home?
0: He just, he got... Yeah, I mean, but then on top, was it just, like, baby carrots and, like, his little, like, snacks <laughs> and things he also asked for? like. No, I don't think so, but I, I bet he'll say
1: that happened. I hope that was the deal. No, I just know that he told me that story, and I
0: just looked at him in a whole new light. Like, uh, you are the king. That, I mean that is some good clean like backstage debauchery because it's like that's not yeah, that a... it's only it's only enriching your you know education that's fine That's what a wise ass what a wise ass that's i felt like... I'm a great wait. dude i've waited to verify guy. this i have friends of friends who can verify this with him so i may have yeah. to check in on this for you that's and good. i'll let you know. What he told me and if he's
1: a liar i'm gonna come and kill you frank <laughs> i'm not but anyway it's a good story i definitely I doubt it's wrong because why wouldn't he do that
0: anyway? Right. I mean, I don't want it to be wrong, so I'm gonna just go with it. But speaking it's totally of- right. That's the thing. It's totally right. I believe you, but like Jap- touring Japan and stuff is obviously like a huge thing that everyone wants to do. I want to do it. I feel like such a goober saying that. Like oh, I want to go to Japan, but I do want to go to Japan, and I feel like. Better go to Japan, that's That's all I can say. I don't know why it's such a rite of passage, but it's just such a, it's such a different landscape and a whole, and you know, everyone treats you so nice, whatever, I mean, have you been like in recent years? I mean, have you, was that like a one-time thing or what what happened with that? Yeah, uh, we went once um, through Sub Pop. It was a Sub Pop
1: lame fest, so we had fastbacks, seaweed, super suckers and a Tokyo band called super snaz all girl band that, that Kurt block produced in Seattle who are amazing. So we went there and we did three shows. We were there a week. And well, yes, it, it was, it superseded anything I knew about Japan and I really knew about Japan because the Beatles went there and made things. It was crazy, but the more, the one I could relate to was the Runaways Live in Japan record. Right. That's what everyone thinks about, right? Or, or actually um, also two things, the Budokan, Cheap Trick. So there's two things. Yeah. And, you know, the Runaways, the, the, the Runaways one was cool because the record label didn't know. They had no idea that this band was just like out of their, their they were insane out there. You know, the, they those people loved them. so. So when we got to go there, I mean, I've always wanted—I wanted to be Japanese in my life. It's kind of why I dyed my hair black. I like that, and I just like what Japanese stuff looks like, and all the food is great. And so anyway, I was really excited to get there. It's amazing. It's just yeah, so. It was, it was amazing. It's so- and here's a great Japanese story. So we played three shows. So one night uh, I went out. There after we played, and these four people came up to me, and they s- didn't speak very good English, but they gave me four cacti, like ones, because like, they give gifts, right? right, right so right. I gave them one of my sunglasses out there. I gave everything away <laughs> when I was talking to these people, because like here's this, like, well, here's my watch, you know. But anyway, (laughs) so and they said they gave me. They said he. They gave me a cassette, and I said, "Thank you." It is a fastback. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't know, and like, but and they were trying to say, and I said, "Is this your band? Is this your band?" Yes, doing fastback. Like, (laughs) so basically, it was a cassette. It was a band. It was a cassette of this band doing fastbacks and Sonic Youth covers.
0: Oh my God. You
1: still- and, um, and really the fastback songs ended up sounding like Sonic Youth covers.
0: Oh my God. They,
1: they, they got the chords wrong, but with Sonic Youth, it almost, it sounded cool. It was a whole new song. Can you put this on YouTube? I want to hear it. Can you put it up somewhere? You know what? That That cassette is like in the ether. I have no idea what happened. Okay.
0: Apparently, like, people are, like, labels are not really sending people to Japan anymore, obviously. And, like, it's a lot more expensive now. Um, but we played a show in Seattle uh, with Wimps. Do you know Wimps? Yes. Okay. Uh, wait, wait. Uh,
1: please tell me her name. Uh, God. I know her. Oh, God. No, She's been on the podcast.
0: She's been on the- I forget her name, but oh. I love her. She's been on the podcast. It's it's fine. I will remember. I mean, rehearsal space for her for a second. Or um, maybe. I don't know. But uh, Lithics opened from Portland. And they're big now. But they're, they're on Kill Rock Stars as well. And we ended up opening the show at Central Saloon because it was at like, the last date of our little tour. And um, I gotten them a gig here in California at Wimps and stuff. So it was kind of a traitor thing. But I remember Lithics coming in and just being like, Oh, yeah, like, you know, we're going to Japan and, you know, everything's paid for. And I, I've never been more jealous in my life. I I wanted to like take my guitar out of the case and just smash them in the, I was like, this will <laughs> never happen to anyone again because it's so expensive. And when you talk to people over there, even amazing, like, you know, radio people and music industry people, they're like, we love you, but there's no way we can really pay for it anymore. It's just not a thing. I don't know what happened, but I think you well, got music industry, experience. Yeah. The music industry blew it itself up. Right. Um, So you got the experience. You got to do it. I'm so happy for you. Well, I'll tell you, like,
1: it was the culmination of my dream since I think since I was like, since I knew what a Japanese person was. So since I was like seven or eight, I was I was on target for this. I wanted to be that person. I wanted I was really obsessed with it at, at a really early age. And it's really interesting. Like, I'm not sure how that happened, but you're a Japanophile. I guess I is that what it is? God, yeah. it sounds so awful, but I guess
0: yeah. I am. It sounds very clinical. It does. I, it I sounds like I need hair. to get rid of it. Your hair is giving me a little bit of like Japan, but I don't know. It's straight it dark. Right. You know who you remind me of? Your hair? Just the no. hair. You're, oh, giving, you're giving me Nikki Six hair vibes. Yes, you do know about him.
1: He's from here. is he's from Seattle. His name, his real name is
0: Frank Ferrano, right? Right, right. Okay, yeah,
1: whatever about that. I didn't know him. My friend went to a party where he was at and took a Polaroid in high school. And she came back the next day and she's like, Look at this hot guy. And I was like, Is he to me? Because he, he, I said, Is he in Rod Stewart's band? Because he looked like that, yeah.
0: Anyway, we were kids, but anyway, like, I never met Frank Ferrano. Did you ever bring, like, just a picture of his hair and just tell the hairdresser you wanted that haircut? I just kind of bring my hair. You're doing it, though. It's really, I love oh, it.
1: sometimes I'll bring, like, uh, this is, who does this? But I did, so, like, my I have a guy that does cut my hair, and I said, you know, I have pictures. What about this? Can you make it like this again? And he's like, okay. It doesn't, it's always the same. Like right, maybe right, right, One more up
0: here, or do this, or whatever. And uh, the listeners are like, what the hell's happening? Okay, Kim has amazing hair. It's sort of a rock and roll mullet, but not really a mullet. But it's... it's it can get big up here. It used to be, like... Rock look at volume, thing. it's fucking... It's, it's like a bat wing. Come it's on. like Aquanet, like, fantasy. Oh,
1: believe me, the Aquanet thing was happening.
0: That was a long time ago. I you think it's... Your hair is your signature. I mean, never oh, ever change. Never change. Well, I think my hairdresser will say she won't. Okay, good. Okay, I need to check my notes because I'm like, we're, we're getting up here in the time and I feel like I had notes. You know what, here's the thing about COVID. I don't give a fuck. We can talk forever. I know, I know. I'm have to pee at some point. Um, oh, it? I have a good question. This is, you'll love this question, maybe. Okay, can't wait. So, obviously, um... Kurt wrote most of the songs and it's all about Kurt. Kurt's amazing. But awesome. was,
1: there,
0: was there ever a song that Kurt wrote lyrically that was so close to your own experience that it, wigged, <laughs> it like wigged you out? You know, like we you're like, oh my God, I feel like I should have, I could have written this or that it came from me and he well, here, here's,
1: here's what I'm gonna say. And I understand exactly
0: what you're saying. And a couple
1: of times that me and Kurt might have drinking a little bit too much. I I, a long time ago, I asked him some things, but he will never tell. And so I feel like there's a couple songs. And God, if Kurt's hearing this, he's just going to be like, oh my God, she's just so She's crazy. But, so yeah, there's a couple songs that I feel like it, you know, it's weird when you're singing lyrics that you believe are kind of about you. Oh,
0: like, like, that's
1: so cool. Oh. No, no, but what I'm saying is, so again, I'm maybe I'm singing a song in first person, but uh, it's written by somebody else, which is what I, it's kind of the sweetest thing in the world. It's, oh. it's so I don't know, it's a weird thing. And there's, you know, so there has been some songs that I feel like I feel like I'm singing a song that I could have written myself, but somebody else wrote it uh-huh. they're kind of disturbing because yeah. I was not doing, I was not doing very well at certain points in this, in this whole thing.
0: Do you guys still hang out? Well,
1: when we can, right? <laughs> of course, No, I mean, not lately, but right. I mean, we will always be at every Red Cross show that is oh, just happening. Which saw we saw
0: them at Burger Boogaloo.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw the videos.
0: I, that was cool. That was really cool. Oh, speaking. I was going to tell you this also, when you're talking about Penelope Houston, she played Europe last year and did a live thing for a festival. And I listened to the live festival recording and she did like, you know, we are the one and all this. And she sounded Her amazing. voice is still. I've, uh, so,
1: sometimes I Sometimes I think, I guess women, I could, I'm just going sort to of talk about women, but sometimes women's voices get, something about when they get older. Sometimes you can turn into Marianne Faithful, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. I mean, her voice is, is like, texture and amazing. Right. But sometimes you can just, like, charge at it. And and I think Penel- Penelope Houston, man, her voice right now, Patty Smith's voice right now, there, there's so much power behind these. And Deborah Harry
0: for, you yeah. know, saying. And Chrissy, Chrissy Hine, too. Oh, yeah. So... You know, because there's this there's this femininity in the voice and deli- there's that femininity part that ages really well because it just gets a little richer, whereas a male vocal already starts kind of, you know, masculine. So it can only I feel kind like of- I feel like the male vocal
1: is just like it's Peter Brady for a while and then they just turn into regular cavemen for the rest of their life. <laughs> like Here I am. What's up? I do. I keep, yeah. But anyway, so
0: I'm just saying, like, I feel like eyes just turn into like Yeah. Totally. Unless you're like in, you know. Your voice sounds like it hasn't even been penetrated. It sounds like you are a ripe little 16-year-old, like that, that Blondie song was like, what is happening? Like something's going on with your vocals. You must not eat dairy because you know dairy is bad for the vocal. I don't really. I eat really bad food. I mean, I love me some cottage cheese,
1: but I don't, I don't really eat. I don't eat it. Very often. Or might uh, have some cream in my coffee. No, I think I'm just. It's just how it is. And I've treated myself very poorly over the years. But for
0: whatever reason, some stuff has come back. Okay, nice. it's amazing. I mean, I don't think you lost it. I mean, it's amazing to me. Um, okay, and I have a couple other great. questions I have to look at, and thank you for that. You're welcome. I, you know, I only like I told you, I this is like a zine in the sense that people listen to it. It's very small though, and I choose people that I want to know because I think they're cool or talented, and that's why zines happened, right? Because you yeah. wanted to create a fanzine so you could it's talk. Why to them. I know about the Ramones? Let's put it that way. Perfect, exactly yeah, same thing. And I wish more people would do podcasts cuz it is a very cheap and easy way to to do this and it's it's and cool. Spread I mean. the news.
1: You know, spread the news.
0: Yeah. Oh, I want to ask you about drummers. Okay, so if if you were like at the gates of heaven and they were like we won't let you in unless you can name like wow. 18 18 of the 20 or whatever, would you like fail? Well,
1: let's re let's recalculate. So there's 12 Oh, there's twelve. Okay, and and, but but it gets confusing because it could be eleven or twelve because one came back. you count him? Wow. Now, if you're in the Grammys, you might have to do some work. What I'm gonna say here. So no. uh, So the question gets recalibrated to
0: which ten? Can you name ten drummers? Would you be Would you be okay, or would like? And also how do you feel about that? That's a lot of drummers. I mean, I've had a lot of drummers, but I actually haven't had a lot of drummers because you've had a lot of drummers and I've realized that it's possible. I mean, the way that my husband and I tour is we have a van, we tour and we have a drummer in the Midwest. We have a drummer in the Pacific Northwest. We got a drummer wherever we go. And then we just practice for a couple of days beforehand and head out. And that's how we do it. Like what was happening with y'all? Like, how do you, why, why so many drummers? Well, again i think we
1: were a very different kind of band and so you know trying to find somebody that understood what we liked which was you know all the cool punk shit coming out all the yeah. singles like the buzzcocks and and weirder like you know everything joy division buzzcocks sex pistols yeah the jam, and also incorporating what we love which was you know, 70s radio and obscure 60s bands and hard rock. So it was hard to find somebody that would understand mm. the kind of music Kurt was writing that might not um, make somebody think of like, I don't know, uh, The Jam or or even Procol Harum or just weird bands, okay. you know. Um, so I think that a lot of drummers just, they kind of stuck with it for a while. The thing is, there's only been a few, there's only been like five drummers out of all of that. A lot of these drummers, you know, that number, that whole numbers, because some of these drummers played one show.
0: Oh, so you're counting one show? That's that's not what I thought was happening. I thought you were like had a drummer for like a couple months or a year.
1: No, I think a lot of it. There's a drummer pie chart that I will send you after this. No, it's not a joke. It's it's dialed down. I'm telling you, if you want to really laugh later, once we get on this call, I'm going to send you the drummer pie chart. We had a friend. This he's called the Superfan. This is a good. He was on NPR about us.
0: This American Life. This American Life. I love this American life. What are you talking about? You were, wait, 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 he, okay. You let's, were on the We're Rewind. Our, our friend,
1: Scott Lee. Okay. Um, loves our band, loved our band. And and so he lived in Chicago for New York at the time. Anyway, somehow me and him got in touch because I was working at Sub Pop. Forget exactly how, but we became really good friends. And he, we would write every day emailed he's like my journal guy and so he loved our band knew everything and it saved his life and and uh he he became friends with us he ended up moving to seattle and becoming you know part of our whole little family but he actually because do you know who sarah
0: Val is yeah she had her on podcast for a while too didn't she yeah she's she's in that movie the incredibles as a voice right yeah she was a big contributor to npr and
1: she loves the fastbacks big time Mm -hmm. hello and so somehow she gets the skinny about this guy scott lee to do a this american life thing about us and and about the pie chart and i will send you this we get off the phone (laughs) because it's it's incredible so um, so it kind of answers, the it will answer your question about um, how many, how, the percentage of what they did on all the records.
0: I can't wait to go listen to the episode. I think that's really cool. I hope people yeah. will check it out. That's awesome. His name's Scott Lee. Okay.
1: That's super cool. Um, yeah. It's pretty, you know, and, and I think even Kurt was a little bit nervous about this guy because Kurt's like, he sounds too crazy. Like, well, he's actually okay. He's like, yeah, I can. But you're kind of crazy. He <laughs> might be crazy. I don't know. And then, of course, we all became good friends.
0: That's amazing. We love
1: our stuff I love super that. fan.
0: Number it's one. good to have super fans. You got to have at least like a couple. We Ooh. have. We had one major. So we were doing all right. Huh. That's so funny. No yeah. groupies, huh? What? No groupies. Did you have groupies? lips are sealed (laughs) a woman on stage yeah it's can be intimidating or it can be wonderful i suppose moving right along moving right along i know you do reunions now and then and i would love to catch you at maybe something next time we're in seattle i'm sure you're. i will tell you this i say no
1: to a lot of things i won't say no to japan let's go together (laughs) okay let's get out there because and you know um i i don't know it's a lot of work for me yeah. and, and i don't those, those songs are really hard to relearn all over again and a lot of it is probably laziness but it's not like it was before i would i guess what i'm saying is it would have to be something pretty special Yeah, and i i guess I, i'd like to think most of us might think that i can't speak for everybody in my band i think kurt will play anything Kurt wants to just play rock and roll. That's yeah. all
0: he does. That's all he does. And you should talk to Kurt. It sounds like Kurt's still in the ether. Like I kept hearing things about him being here and there and playing things and doing things. And well, Kurt's in a lot of stuff. I mean, he he just he he just all
1: he's doing is putting out record. He's remixing records of ours, releasing them, and playing putting out records of him and his brother. So he's just on fire. It's
0: great. Well, I totally understand because your songs are long. Some of them are long compared to my songs anyways. They're not like long, long, long. Some are long and some are like one minute. They're weird as fuck and they do, like if I was to do a rehearsal with the fastbacks and like play or do anything, I'd be like, really? Like this part? Because I love, as a listener, you're like, Oh wow! I'm taking on this journey. It's so fun, and it's it's funny how like there is those those like hard rock influences where there oh, are like intellectual. What you what's funny about what you said is I'd be saying the
1: same thing. Like oh shit, this part. Like oh, I forgot about this part because. Well, we always forget about this part, and like, <laughs> shit, this part is like it's it's almost the whole part. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so- I think like the whole
0: song is this part. (laughs) So I could see why it's probably very, I mean, it seems like it would, they're hard songs to play. I'm telling you. And they're there. I think that's why y'all kind of never really broke. Like you said, it's that musicians love you. Record store, people love you. Sound guys probably love you. Anyone that's cool, Anyone that is into music and understands your references is obsessed with you but the average the general viewer, public doesn't get it. They are not going to understand all these references. And, and also gonna... we've always
1: understood that and yeah, sure it'd be really cool to be super famous and and make all this money and and, and whatever but you know mostly most of our friends that have gone that route that weren't making tons of money you know, they might not even be in a band right now. Right. You know, so right. the way it worked out for us, whether or not I would, if you would have talked to me in 1992, what I would think, but I'm happy just being who we
0: are right now. And, yeah. and uh, I don't know, who knows? I mean, that's beautiful, Cam. No, it's beautiful. You And you guys are all friends and You have something special that people, I think you're right. Like there's certain people that rock it to whatever and then they fall and they, their ego gets all entwined in it and it's dirty and it's bad. And then there's also so much like pressure and, or there,
1: there was, I'm sure there still is, it's all money. And so, you know, friends that were dealing with that much pressure to, you know, even stay on the label, let alone have a giant hit. You know luckily we never had to deal with that. Um we're kind of an in-house thing, if you will. Um some put out our records, but Kurt, you know, Kurt did all Kurt produced it. It was like I said, it was it was a very small little circle for us. And I think that prolonged us and got us farther. But there was definitely implosions and that a lot of that had to do with me.
0: I was kind of a loose cannon and a mess. Well, you seem like you're, you know, I'd hire you right now. You seem, <laughs> Please do. you have the Thank job. You. Well, Thank I do, hope, I do, we, I hope, and I'm sure listeners hope that you will continue these, like the, 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 the stuff I, the, the one song I heard from the Grim Deeds thing, it's like, that was exciting to me. I just hope that you're gonna do a bunch of other little side projects here and there. And it's funny, if- cause I wanna do another one. I
1: wanna, there's a couple ones I have. I want to do. So we're, we're thinking
0: about it. I'm rooting for that. I really want to hear that. Yeah. Um there's no reason not to. You have the most talented people working with you apparently. And we have the internet. So I really hope that we hear more from you and that you um just you're you're so talented. The fastbacks only problem is too much talent. <laughs> oh wow. It was too much and people couldn't handle it. And they just like looking into um looking into the sun, you know? So Maybe they needed one of those weird things when you do the eclipse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Um, Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's, that's really, that's so nice. You know, I think we'll spend the rest of our life trying to figure out who we are and what we did in this city, but
0: uh,
1: we, we did some cool shit and we made some great records.
0: Just wait till you're dead. I'll be wearing a t-shirt hot topic fastbacks (laughs) t-shirt. Oh wow. Like can Like, should I have my like you
1: should have like a little drop box into my casket. Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) Bro. Yeah, I I hope (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow, this got dark real, real fast.
0: But it's so true. It's like, oh my god. So just, just, you know, give me a little you know 550 for my t-shirt or <laughs> the fuck tokens the old drink to- we'll throw them in there for you whatever not that you need them anymore you don't need those anymore you're beyond no, that on no, that yeah um but you're a legend was, was, you're a legend
1: it was oh wow wonderful thank you
0: so much for was
1: um, this was really fun
0: oh good well i'm glad we could have a little positive um energy between us um you know the news is rough out there and so that's all I do is watch the news, so this is something great. good that I
1: uh, can just send it off on a positive note. Awesome. Oh, wait, wait, I got to ask you. Oh. The church, church of Flag? Yes. Is
0: that about that church in Hermosa Beach where Black Flag lived? Dude, that's like the smartest idea. Why didn't I think of that? No, it's about Black Flag. It's okay, like, because oh, I know Ron Ray's, and he oh. lived there. Ah, uh, that's so cool. Okay, so I actually lived in Hermosa Beach as a child, and um, I lived in the South Bay, Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach, high school age, and it was all about Black Flag, Circle Jerks, lessons, the cool years. Yeah, but even like w- this was like oh, the yeah, early yeah yeah thousands, but it was still like everyone was everything was South Bay, Black Flag, Circle Jerks, Agent Orange, like everything was just like that that aggressive, fun punk. And I had an all girl band at the time down to Union High School. And like, we loved Black Flag. And it was just one of those first bands for me that really got me into punk. And so the song is about like, how you never graduate from that church, of the church of whatever really got oh. you. And okay. that's, but it's so funny because they lived at that church, you're right. So that, I'm going to say yes, I'm going to say yes. That was a smart- yeah, but I, I actually thought of, because I looked at
1: your page and like, Camosa Beach, South Bay is what I thought. And then I know Ron, black white runways right and then like church of flag and i listen to the song song is awesome and like it's all resonates this is all such it's just it's so cool you know and again like you know when we first started out that that i would even be talking to somebody else in another city about the same shit we know is almost hard to understand we're so used to it now but back then man this is this is so cool that i know ron rays
0: i know that's crazy
1: that's so crazy because i know him from vancouver canada because he moved up there and and like i was saying in the early 80s when all it was just like kind of art noise music or hardcore fast Facts would play in vancouver canada um way more than seattle we had our we had our own scene up there i mean our scene was with them, with these, it was more of community. We, right. we were more in tune with, or they were, we got along. And so we got to put on bills that were amazing. I just felt like uh, Vancouver, BC was our community. We, we got accepted into something really cool. So we played up there
0: a lot. That's awesome. So that's
1: how I go on.
0: That is so cool. I love it. It all came back around like full circle right there. Cause you know, that, that song. of course it. I knew it would, that's, that's so how cool. genius I am. And it doesn't matter. Like, it's so great too, that like, it doesn't matter in what era you are from or, or how what age you are. It's like that music can really hit you and it can affect, like you said it, like with the Ramones and you, it like affected your DNA. I had the same experience, you know, I didn't see them live, but I had the same experience when I first heard the Ramones. So it's like the weird thing is now is to think like my music, or your music is affecting people in that way too, which like wigs me out cause I'm like, oh, that's weird. But I'll get a message every now and then that's like, hey, like I actually did get a message recently on a band camp order and they were like, hey, if you ever see, hear a band called this, know that you inspired me to start this band. And yeah. not to be like, I'm cool, but it just made me feel like this is all for something. Like I don't have kids. I don't really have any plans besides doing this. It seems like a really, bad idea, honestly, <laughs> but like, it's all I want to do. And so that's spiritual. It's cool. Like that's the church, you know, that's well, the
1: church. That, that is a great, that's amazing. That story is great. And that church changed me. I mean, the Runaways changed everything and the Ramones, but the, Ramona, the Ramones, uh, the Runaways were the ones that were like, they were going to Japan. And I was in high school. I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Did you read that bullshit? Neon Angel book? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had everything. Oh. I, have, I have I have, a letter from Joan. She wrote me. Wow. I Like, I have scrapbooks, you know, I, and I have, like, eight by tens that I bought by this woman that, anyway, from back, way back. So probably would be considered, I probably could sell some of this shit, but. <laughs> no I, I mean I wouldn't do that anyway so I've, I've met Joan a couple times and we played with her
0: oh, that's so cool
1: that's yeah. like the coolest thing you've ever done I think going to Japan is cooler but meeting her was it's up there they're, they're, they're tied no for sure for sure that's
0: great. I, saw her, I saw her tattoo oh my god like the thing about Joan? No, no no I saw her tattoo what do you mean like what tattoo wait on her What does she have a tattoo on her ass or something? No, it's it's right in her uh... her bad upper thigh. Upper up. Damn, you saw. Okay, why? I was wrapping. I was wrapping this up really elegantly, and now you're telling me that. So that means that some shit went down. But we all know that her sexuality is like in a nothing. Throw the key away. Nothing, Nothing. Okay,
1: so first of all, nothing went down. Um, she just showed me her tattoo. It was one night after she was drunk and uh literally it was like like i was like okay wow but why i'm going to tell you this it's the most nerd thing you're ever going to hear you ready i'm ready okay, so that first Joan Jett record her solo record that came out on import was different than the u.s version anyway so there's two versions the uk version the US version, which I think was on Art Records. I'm getting nerdy, Are you ready? But the first Joan Schett record in the UK was not on Art. it was, I don't know who distributed it, doesn't really matter. Different back cover. So, different, a little bit different. There is a very weird, uh, I never knew what this was, like a little picture of a jet, you know? So, okay. I, I mean, I, I loved her so much. I poured over everything. So anyway, so I'm trying to make this a short story cause it's a good one. So anyway, um, I saw that all the time. And then I always put my records in plastic sleeves, right? To protect them. Well, this one time I took that record out to play it, and there was this little kind of, looked like a little hair or something. So I brushed it off, brushed, up, brushed off. Up, it didn't go away. The reason I know it was a pubic hair is because I saw where the tattoo was. What stop? <laughs> you understand the story? It's insane. So anyway. Yeah, it was, it's real, and if you ever see one of those covers, you might want to look a little closer, but anyway. That's
0: crazy. Okay, okay. You've just sent people on a mission right now. This is a mission. Well, I, I mean, it, it, you have to have a fine eye for it, but I mean, anyway. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. All right, well, obviously, you're just full of – You're too, you have too many good stories, so I I I can't anymore. I can't, I have had such a great time chatting with you. I, I'm I'm so glad we did this. It was so fun. I love your place. Oh, thank you. It's my, this is the vagina wallpaper right here. I see
1: that. I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're almost there. Get in there.
1: (laughs) How about this? Look at this. You want to see something cool? Sure. How about this?
0: Susie Quattro. Oh, nice. Yeah, we never even talked about Susie Quattro. Speak of somebody who deserve, I mean she was fam- very famous, but I mean, she never gets she always gets kind of passed up in the in the biographies and all that stuff. She, she's the 70s and you know, it's like that you
1: know, that was the time when like yeah. It's just yeah, it, it's it's and especially uh you know that she gets she has to be
0: famous for stumbling in like right. Like that. I know. No, I know. I know. It's it's really funny. That's another episode That's another episode. We're just gonna talk about Susie Quattro the whole time. Oh, good lord! I mean, and also Belinda Carlisle the whole time. We'll do a Belinda, and we'll do a Susie Quattro, and we'll do a Joan Jett,
1: Hmm, That'll be it.
0: And bread. Sure. Throw it in there. (laughs) Show me that. Let's just go. Let's go go hog wild with everything. Uh, Well, if you want to, you know, if you want to be my unofficial co-host, we don't have to record. Just I'll just give you a call sometime. Yeah, I'll do it. I'm in. Well, Kim, you are awesome. Not even joking. I I believe you. You're you're very honest. You're I mean you you really don't hold much back. So I yeah That'd be fucking stupid. I take it at face value. <laughs> all right, yeah. my friend. Well, I will um, get this all edited up and stuff. And um, yeah, it was just really great chatting with you. We'll talk again. Okay. Bye. Bye. Have a good night. You too. Bye bye. Congrats. Congrats. You finished episode, whatever this is, of Sparkle and Destroy podcast. Another podcast under your belt. I'm proud of you. You accomplished something today. Even if you brushed your teeth at 2.30 p.m., you finished this podcast with Kim, which was awesome. Um, I usually list all the music that's um, performed here, but uh, I'm actually going to just put it in the show notes with links. So why don't you head over to the show notes and you can click, click, click your way into Kim Warnock's world. Check out all of her music, the Fastbacks, Fist Queen. These are all available online everywhere. So go give her some support. Go give her some love. Um, I do have some new music out. Fun Sized, the six-song EP on Rumbar Records is out, um, streaming uh, now everywhere. Um, and Church of Flag, the Dr. Kane version, is also out. Um, Dr. Kane uh, has his uh, his take on Church of Flag by Haley and the Crushers, and he actually has a a funny video to go with it. So if you want to go to the Haley and the Crushers YouTube, you can check that out and have a little laugh. Definitely stick around till the end because there's some really funny bloopers. Okay, do not miss the bloopers. Um, If you want to reach the podcast, lately I've just been on at Haley and the Crushers uh, Instagram, Uh, so hit me up there. Or if you're lucky to have my number, give me a call. Make sure I'm okay (laughs) because you know COVID times. I'm checking less email and I'm just more involved in long, drawn out conversations about everyone's dogs, what everybody's eating. Um, I want to know. So um, thanks to all you guys for um, listening. I know it's been a little bit of a lag, but I'm going to get back on that train. And I think that this interview was a great way to kick off 2021, 2021, if you will. All right, guys, sparkle and destroy.